This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com. and welcome to the rock 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 and roll podcast check out this record my name is mark and with me is a man who sheds no tears for fear it's frankie d i'm not crying you're crying mark welcome back to the show friends remember you can find check out this record on spotify apple podcast and amazon music or wherever else you find fine podcasts golly heck we're <laughs> even on youtube frank that's right, Mark. New episodes drip to the drop directly to your ears every Friday. And of course, we all know this is for your listening pleasure. So what the heck is Check Out This Record? Great question. And thank you for asking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here on Check Out This Record, Frank and I check out albums and give them the old full body cavity search. That's right. We go track by track, baby. We leave no cavity, no matter how up a song's butt unchecked. <laughs> But of course, we indulge in a wide array of other musical discussions, like in our Spotlight series where we dig into a band's catalog and see what's buried in there. Trash or treasure. <laughs> I don't know why the pirate thing happened. Sorry about that. The butt comment made me think of my uh, annual prostate exam. So there you go. And oh, of course, the heat? <laughs> there you go. And in our verses series, Mark, you know, we're going to pit two albums against each other and they're going to duke it out for total stereo. <sighs> Domination. Domination. If social media is your thing, be sure to check us out on Instagram and even our Facebook group. We like to drop additional content, leaving you laughing at what I thought the lyrics to Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap were. <laughs> and I know what that is. Now, don't forget to pump over to the world famous Tube of the U and watch as we make silly faces and we try to put this show together. Uh, and who knows there, maybe we'll have some exclusive content coming. You definitely don't want to miss this. So be sure to fire off a click on the old subscribe button. That's right. Now, last week on the episode, Frank, uh, Bravely. Oh, yeah. Uh, selected the category albums. People really think we should know, but we don't. Uh, and correctly guessed we'd be covering Tears for Fears the hurting. Mm. Uh, now, uh, I've been asked a few folk, uh, by a few folks, excuse me, why the hurting and not stories from the big chair. Right. Well, you have to remember that the hurting was a massive success, too, with a lengthy chart run of 65 weeks in the UK, where it reached number one and platinum status. It also reached the top 20 in several other countries and yielded the international hit song Mad World. Top five hit in South Africa, by the way. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Change was a top 40 hit in Australia, Canada, Ireland, Israel, Italy, the Netherlands, Poland, and South Africa. Their first single to reach the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 uh, and a re-recorded version of Pale Shelter. All three of these singles reached the top five in the U.K. Songs from the Big Chair <laughs> is a fantastic album, but yes. when... Uh, I don't know a band's discography. I like to start from the beginning, and it's my choice. So we're doing the hurting and get the fuck over it. That's right. So, Frank, um, <laughs> how is it you've never heard of this album before? Uh, 
you know, I was thinking about this because it's a good question. And uh-huh. I remember Seeds of Love was the first song I, I remember from the band. And, of course, mm-hmm. the video that, that accompanied it. Um, then just by the way of natural airplay, you catch songs like Shout, Everybody mm-hmm. Wants to Rule the World, and Head Over Heels. And at that time, you know, I was just in awe of two guitars, bass, and drums, rock sound. So it's something I think at the time just didn't keep my interest um, to seek further exploration. In fact, Mark, it wasn't mm-hmm. until, correct me if I'm wrong, either 2002 or three, uh, when our band was playing a show with a band called Fival, and they mm-hmm. did a cover of Mad World. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, I, I didn't start listening to the album, of course, until recently. So I, I think it was just one of those situations. You hadn't heard Mad World until that point? Uh, not even like on Darnie Darko? Did you not see Donnie Darko? It's not that good of a movie. People say it is, but it's not. No, no, I've seen Donnie Darko. It's just I'm okay. trying to place it if I saw it previous to, to, that yeah. con- to that concert. And I think it was oh. after. And, and I agree. I, I had higher expectations of Donnie Darko for some reason. But yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I, I did know as to why I hadn't heard of the band. Uh, oh, okay, there you I'm go. Gonna, I'm going to uh, keep the intro for the band kind of quick so we can get into this album. Tears mm. for Fears, uh, or as you might find them on Craigslist, T's for F's. We're formed in 1981 by Roland Orzabal uh, on guitars, keys, and vocals, and Kurt Smith on bass, keys, <laughs> and vocals. Uh, who were, uh, so those two dudes, Roland and Kurt, I know I did a lot there, who were in a mod revival new wave act. Yeah. Graduate. Very they interesting. had a minor hit in Spain and Switzerland. I don't know why I did that voice for Switzerland. It's probably not right. With a song called Elvis Should Play Ska as uh, a reference to Mr. Costello and not Mr. Presley. Uh, We'll come back to this, though. Uh, Graduate uh, broke up in 1981 and Roland and Kurt played, uh, began playing as session musicians for a band named Neon, which Mm. is important in a moment. You'll figure that out. Um, They also decided to start a band. Frank, can you tell me the name of that band? Tears for Fears? That's no, no. Ah. Uh, it's history of headaches is the the answer we were looking for. However, okay, uh, they would very soon become Tears for Fears, and I couldn't find any particular reason why. It just says like eh, after a couple of weeks they changed their mind. So, anyways, um, so with Neon drummer Manny Elise, uh, that's why uh, Neon was important, and Ian Stanley on keyboards. Okay. Uh, and after two demos, they were signed to phonogram records oh and here we have 1983's the hurting frank mm-hmm. are you ready to hurt well listen depending on which part of me gets hurt um <clears throat> sometimes i i do like pain my friend so mm-hmm. oh oh yeah another discussion mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a separate podcast folks well uh track one the hurting wow title track uh up Right up front, Frank. Bold move, Cotton. Now let's see if it pays off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're treated to a great little electric drum buildup. I love that you did that so perfect. Um, <laughs> as they slowly layer the parts together and the full synth pop orchestra is just off and running to this morbid little disjointed ditty uh, is working its way into the ear. Frank, I'm going to say like morbid and like uh, macabre a lot. It's really not that like morbid and macabre. It's just kind of like, I know I'm really handsy today. I can't explain it. Um, it's really uh, more of like kind of like the cute goth girl, lots of dark purple, cute spider webs, that kind of, when I'm saying macabre and like goth and that kind of stuff, that's what yeah, I'm talking about. Got it. I just got don't it. want people to think that this is like a, 
an album about Dracula. And they're like, dude, like, <laughs> right. an album about Dracula. This is not an album about Dracula. <laughs> Anyways, Frank, the band yes. named themselves after a concept known as primal theory. I know we're both going to talk about that a little bit more as we go on. Yeah. It is believed that this album is a combination of primal theory and Roland's childhood experiences. Uh, when we look at the lyrics for a song like uh, songs like these, uh, it can be simple. Excuse me, song like this. Um, it's simple but powerful words used to really paint a dark picture. I got so lost there. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, how is such a hip- how is such hypnotic music? Uh, oh man! All right, you ready? It's hypnotic. <laughs> It, it really is hypnotic. <laughs> Sorry, this is just, I, I don't know why I can't read today. Uh, when you look at lyrics for a song like this, yeah, we see some simple but powerful words used to really paint a dark picture. Mm-hmm. How is it such hypnotic music like this when pair, music becomes so hypnotic like this when paired with such melancholic topics draw us in? Yeah, good. I question. don't know what I was trying to ask there. I, I, I got the question because I have a response. Because I have a response. <laughs> <for it. laughs> Thanks, God. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Jeez. There you go. So, oh. Listen, this is it's a good question because it's definitely a, a hypnotic tune. And knowing mm-hmm. what you explained as far as the band's uh, foundation, you could really see how this is totally about like a series or a trend of childhood experiences, i.e. the hurting. Um, and then if you see the cover of the album, it really makes sense. Now, sorting through all this, I have to be honest. I didn't really care, believe it or not, in the beginning for the melody during the verses. But then at two minutes, we get this like prog rock breakdown. And mm-hmm. that's where I started to be really engaged with the song it's like the light bulb went off um when with that part of the song and like i said the rest started making sense uh to me this is a bold statement on the opening song of the item or of the album with the same name um but it worked very cool very yeah cool. well let's rock right into track number two mad world mad world now- for me frank this is definitely my first exposure to the band or at least it's the first cognitive thing where i like I connected the band to a song, um, but it always kind of reminded me of like tacky 80 bands, like that band that does spin me right round. Like that's a cool song, but like, I don't care about anything else they do. And I just assumed that tears for fear were really kind of in that category, right? But, which is a bummer. Cause there is so much more uh, to than the, to this than like kind of what really is kind of like a loser anthem kind of predecessor <laughs> to emo and pop punk and whatever. Right, right, totally. Sad excuse for hip hop that's going on right now is anyways, uh, Frank, <laughs> The band isn't bothering with like really formulaic songwriting and, and it worked. Why, why yeah. does breaking the mold work here? Yeah. I mean, you know, and in, in this whole of at the time of musical access, you know, it, it's easy to write stuff like this off as just another run of the mill song. However, I, I think the songwriting work be works because it goes against the grain. And by having that pop sound fused, uh, pop sound of the eighties, excuse me, mixed with these like penetrating lyrics from the influence, especially of uh, Arthur Janov uh, uh, of the primal primal screen theory. So I think it's that combination of everything in the pot stirred up that's making it work. And if you were to listen to all the contemporaries during that time, uh, they will definitely be standing out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, track three is called pale shelter. Frank, I'm, I think I'm in a hypnotized state with that. Maybe what's going on with me. I'm, <laughs> I've been hypnotized. I've been sucked in uh, to the hurting is I love this kind of like synth pop drive under these just like super sad, sad songs. Yeah. What is wrong with me? Well, Mark, to really understand what's wrong with you, I'm going to need uh-huh. a couch in about a few uh-huh. hours. Okay. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Okay. It's, it could be one of those sessions. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> Listen, I, I think these sad songs fused with the pop goodness are really their food for the soul. Uh, I I have and never will trust feel good songs. Um, not that I'm saying you can't have a song that makes you feel good uh, and not believe the feeling. I'm just mm-hmm. saying I don't trust them like all the way. Um, I, I think with a song like this, that's a love song in a way to one's, I think, parents and for their attention and affection. Listen, it's relatable no matter what our childhood experiences have been. So, Very interesting. I, I love Frank taking the deep side on this one oh, thank, thank i'm you. just thank, having thank fun. you mark <laughs> <laughs> track number four ideas as opioids the title of the song refers to the communist manifesto by mm. uh marx and engels yeah uh, rephrasing uh religion is the opioid of the masses uh it reflects the way religion and other personal habits can get in the way of seeing the truth frank <laughs> so i i there's a reason why I say this opening statement, you know, uh-huh. not the biggest Marx fan or sure. it's Neo incarnation. However, I, I mm-hmm. say that because I will be more than happy to put personal beliefs aside and agree. Nothing should get in the way of seeing the truth. So that's why I say that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, musically, this is a really cool change of pace, showing the different types of songs they could put uh, from pen to paper. Uh, it's a polarizing tune and we're mm-hmm. already four songs in. And the album is polarizing, so it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving the way this album is just flowing back and forth and really messing with us. Absolutely. Speaking of messing with us, Frank, oh. track five, Memories Fade. This one's going to get a little personal, buddy. Oh, uh, boy. I love this take on uh, mortality and growing old. Uh, the pictures painted of decay and fading into obscurity and death are vivid and rich. Uh, I'd call this a lament over the memories soon to be lost, Frank. Uh, I know that this is this is a tough one for people who have lost somebody. What what do you think of memories fade? You know, 10 to 15 years ago, I, I would tell you these songs wouldn't kind of bother me emotionally, but now they do. And as much as I love them, and listen, it's something that like keeps me up at night. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not sure if it's a good or a bad thing at the end of the day. Uh, but one thing that we could agree on is the track is good. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, track six, uh, Suffer the Children. Mm. So this actually came, uh, it was actually the album's first single. Pale Shelter was second, Mm -hmm. but neither got much attention. I'm not surprised this was the first single, though. It's arguably the most mainstream song for the time on the album, despite its name. Uh, I'm also not surprised it wasn't a hit. It's bland for a band that's so innovative. Uh, Obviously, I wasn't there when they wrote this or recorded it or re-recorded it for the album. So I can't say that they were trying to force a more radio-friendly song uh, or not, but that's the way it feels to me. Frank, what'd you think? Yeah, it it definitely is the most mainstream of the songs. And also, I agree that it's the most bland on the album, which is kind of Mm -hmm. a bummer. Uh, From a songwriting perspective, we already have... Uh, already uh, seen some really impressive things displayed on this record. Um, but this could be one maybe where they like had an inkling, like this had some hit potential and they said, Hey, l- listen, let's just roll with it. And sometimes those things happen. These songs, some people hear them. Some people get catch wind of them. They catch fire. They may not be the best, but they're the ones that are fronted on these albums. And that could very right. well be the case for a song like this. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Track seven, watch me bleed. Oh, I don't know why I said it so happy. Uh, Frank, this song is about invisible pain, Mm. about hiding your pain by not showing any emotion. At least that's what the internet said. Uh, I'm in love with (laughs) 
uh, the use of the the acoustic guitar over that really cool ethereal guitar uh, keyboard part. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, it's dark and sad, and I just want to watch Goth Babes dance to this. What, what did you think? <laughs> I think this is my favorite track on this album. Uh, mm-hmm. Without a doubt, it has like a goth feel to it, and it's the archetype of these synth pop songs of the time. Uh, like you, I really dig that moody guitar with the satin-laden music around it. Uh, I had this one on repeat um, even through first listen. I'd get one, two, three, four, five, six, get to seven, do seven a couple of times, and then move on. So uh, nice. it's, a, it's a great tune. This is really a good song. <laughs> Yeah, track eight, change. Change. Change would be the song that got the band around the world as it cracked the U.S. Billboard Top 100 and Top 40 in numerous other countries. Frank, mm. tell us about this deceptively simple song that is anything but simple. I want to know about that maram- marimba solo too. Maramba solo. <laughs> I don't know what that voice is, and I apologize to anyone who takes offense to it. Ugh. But- the the intro is a little bit of an assault on my senses. I'm not going to lie. But once I get past that, uh, it's anything but simple. And it actually creates like it's it's what the unique uniqueness of this particular song is. Uh, I mean, busting out uh, the maramba and having that be the solo is really a unique way to craft a song. Uh, I wouldn't mind if that was a little shorter. However, it's a cool track. Do you think it's a maramba or a, a zelia phone? Ooh. I know we're saying both of those names wrong, but I kind of like it. A Glockenspiegel. Glockenspiegel, Glockenspiel, maybe? Glockenspiel, maybe. Glockenspiel. I think I my don't... mother used to play a Glockenspiel. Really? I think so. Oh, we got to talk about this. I think that's one of It's like the little xylophone that you hold. I yeah. Think but they have a more distinctive sound, I think, than the xylophone. Do they? I th- yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. Track nine, The Prisoner. Oh, hello. Here we get this cool, ominous synth pop number that will clearly influence a ton of industrial and goth music to come. Uh, The use of the studio and keyboards to build this amazing atmosphere that feels like the coolest 80s party in hell, but without all the shitty metal bands. Um, It's just awesome. Frank, did you dig this track or (laughs) did you feel like uh, The Prisoner? Well, I I did have the feeling of being trapped. And then when I thought about the coolest 80s party that would take place in hell and thinking yeah. that that would be the place I'd be trapped. And I, I'd oh, be, no. I, I was okay with it though. <laughs> kind of cool, right? Yeah. It sounds like a good act. It's actually an aggressive track. I and guarantee I guarantee you get this hangout with Scott Bayo down there. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Wow. Um, what, yeah. what about what, what about Willie Ames from Charles charge too? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think anyone who's on a sitcom is 99% going to be there except for, um, who's the one guy. Who's that? He had a show about dating his daughters. John Richter. Oh, John. That, oh, you, oh, you mean John Ritter, right? John Ritter. John, John Ritter, Ritter's not yeah. in hell. No, no, no way. No, 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 no way. No. John Ritter's not in hell. Well, Sorry, go on. No, okay. <laughs> but now you got me on like we're talking about Scott Bayo and Charles mm-hmm. in charge. Char- yeah. So Charles in charge. I used to have a reoccurring dream that I was like an extra on the set. No lie. No way. And no one would tell me. Um, which family, because remember, there's two families. So there was the uh-huh. original family, and then there was like a break. The show went to syndication, got popular again, and then picked up with another family. So uh-huh. no one would tell me anytime oh, no. I go on the set which family it was. So I didn't know how to act. And that was a oh. reoccurring dream I had. <laughs> Did you get to snack a lot at craft services in this dream? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> awesome. Wonder what he had. I know, right? <laughs> Lots of donuts. <laughs> So listen, this song is it's super aggressive, and I could see mm-hmm. where the EDM crowd really uh, took a fancy for this number as an influence. So uh, it has a lot has a lot of cool components to it. <laughs> Track ten, 
start of the breakdown. Breakdown. I've mentioned kind of like how cool Roland's lyrics are, more or less. I've just been saying that they're cool and without really coming out and saying, but they're pretty cool. And I think it's a, a great place to show them off as we're at the last track of the song. So, uh, or last track of the album, Cheapers, Peepers, my brain. Um, here's the first verse from Start of the Breakdown, Frank. Do it. Scratch the ice, let the telephone ring. Sense of time is a powerful thing. And we love to laugh, love to cry, half alive. We love to go slow when we're dancing for rain. Mm. Dry skin flakes where there's ice in the vein. And we love to cry, half alive. Frank, what says you? Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I just think those are really cool lyrics. I love it. no, the lyrics I couldn't help super, it doing kind of cheesy because it was fun. So. Very impressive here. And, and what's most important is that you get, you could feel the same things Roland feels as if he's singing them. And, and if you go even deeper, it's like you actually feel the experiences as it's occurring. Uh, so definitely, definitely cut you like a knife, my friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And well, folks, that's 1983's debut release from Tears for Fears, The mm-hmm. Hurting. The Hurting. Frank, uh, would you be so kind as to give the folks on the other end of the podcast your final thoughts on the album? Sure. Um, I could totally see how this album was highly influential and highly emotional. Uh, It's somber in every way that one could use that term and apply it. Um, Knowing the foundation for this band's content, along with the vulnerable family histories, I mean, how could one not be affected by these songs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows great moments of songwriting and it stacks up against the contemporaries. And I'm sure you'll find that this has the most weight to it, I think, from the contemporaries. Although I'm told that we need to also dig into like bands like Depeche, more, uh, Depeche Mode more uh, as not well. Not going to happen. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, I may not overly be a fan of some of the instrumentation. As again, mm-hmm. remember what I said earlier, I'm this traditional two guitars, bass, drums type of person. However... Mm-hmm. I'm glad we both set time aside to listen to this record, and I give it a 7 out of 10. Very nice. What about uh, you? You know, one question kept popping up in my head as I was listening to the album, Frank. Is this an album I should know? Uh, It's not like I can diffuse a bomb now or anything. As I've been slowly dipping my ears into kind of like 80s synth pop kind of wildness, I have to say, absolutely, you should know this album. Yes. uh, well, Goth was already uh, well underway. Tears for Fear came with an album that straddled the line between full vo- Victorian Goth babe, chain smoking, clove cigarettes, uh, and an underground or underrated pop yeah. gem. This thing's fantastic. I love this album in a good set of headphones and a very dimly lit room. I'm giving this an eight out of ten. I would totally pick up this record if I find it. Uh, check out this record, dude. You said. Uh, you said the uh, diffuse a bomb earlier, so uh, mm. I I thought of putting together tears for fears the bomb. Oh, oh that might be a fun. I don't know if you could combine a tears for fear fear the bomb game. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, speaking of game, Mark, what, what type <laughs> of top ten game do you have in store for me this week? Frank, I'm I'm glad you asked because we have uh, the latest and greatest game show on. Check out this record. It's mm. Mm. Every Elvis has his army. Oh, no. Okay. That's right. As I mentioned earlier, Kurt and Roland's first taste of fame was with a song called Elvis Should Play Scott in reference to Mr. Costello. Mm. But of course, both Elvis I 
have had a massive impact on music as well, as we all know. Uh, And neither one is short of praise. Frank, I'll read you a quote and you will tell me which Elvis they're talking about. Okay. And I'm I'm just giving you the quote. You don't get to know who said it or when. Oh, or when. Okay. Or when this one's tough. Okay. I made it too easy last time. I'm I'm working on this one. You ready? Uh Uh Uh-huh. His songs have no musical boundaries. You got to get a scorecard. I know. I know. Okay. His songs have no musical boundaries. Uh, I'm going to say that's Costello. Correct. Quote number two. His kind of music is deplorable. A rancid smelling affirmazidac. It fosters almost total. Oh, by the way, the first one was Elton John, by the way. Elton oh. John said that Elvis Costello. His oh, okay. Okay. Too. I was uh, like, oh, wait, we're playing the Elvis game. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I, I did that back. I, I just forgot to say. Anyways, question two. His kind of music is deplorable. A rancid smelling after. I have no idea what that word is. Yeah. Uh, it fosters almost total negative and destructive reaction in young people. I mean, you know, I, I have to think this was the early rock and roll Elvis where they were just saying, you know, everything is like bad and the shaking of the hips is bad. And this is all this bad, uh, bad negative connotation type music. So I'm going with Elvis Presley. You're going with Elvis Presley. Yes, sir. You should because. Frank Sinatra said that in 1950. Oh, because he hated that. He hated <laughs> rock and roll. There's actually, I found a couple quotes like from the 70s where uh, Frank Sinatra apparently became like best buds with Elvis. Yeah. For a while there, there, and like, and then praised the crap out of him. So it's kind of funny because you'll see Frank Sinatra on both sides of those lists. Oh, totally. Totally. And, and there's that clip of uh, Elvis on the Sinatra show too. And uh I think he had no choice but to embrace that. I think so. Yeah, I think so. All right. right. Number three. Number three. It was the finest music of his life. If ever there was music that bled, this was it. Uh, Elvis Presley. Correct. Dang. That was uh, Griel Marcus from his book, Mystery Train. Oh, okay. The 1968 TV special. Okay. Um, yeah, the co- the comeback special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Quote number four. You ready? I I am born ready. I didn't know we had so much in common growing up. <laughs> Costello. Yes. Ah! Can you tell me who said it? Uh, was that uh, Paul McCartney? No, it was oh. Questlove. Ah. Oh. West Love said that. Okay. Frank, you're smoking otherwise, though, dude. Yeah, thank Number you. Five. <clears throat> five. <clears throat> there are several unbelievable things about Elvis, but the most incredible is his staying power in a world where meteoric careers fade like shooting stars. Has to be Costello. No, it's oh. Presley. That's correct. That was uh, an article in Newsweek, August 11th, 1969, reviewing Elvis's Las Vegas entertainment career. Oh, man. All right. Track number six. Okay. Thinking back to the time, I didn't just want to make an Elvis album. 
Uh, that's Costello. That is Costello. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I remember. Do you that. recognize the quote? That, that was from his book, right? That was Paul McCartney. That was Paul, Paul McCartney. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Number seven. Seven. You have no idea how great he is. Really, you don't. You have no comprehension. It's absolutely impossible. I can't tell you why he's so great, but he is. He's sensational. Presley. Yes. Ah. That was a guess, wasn't it? Yes. Who said that? <laughs> Phil Spector. Oh, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's this in next, trouble. <laughs> this next one, I think. Well, I mean, I didn't say these were good people. Yeah. There um, number eight. It was like he came along and whispered some dream in everyone's ear. And somehow we all dreamed it. <laughs> I'm going to say that's Presley again. Oh, you are correct again. Woo-wee! Any idea who said that? Negative. Springsteen. Oh, wow. oh, Brucey. I think it was that night they got him with the DUI. He was a little drunk. He, oh. no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The, all, all charges have been dropped. Uh, Bruce is not being uh, charged with the DUI. What, what DUI? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Frank, we're at question number nine. You've only missed one so far. Wow. Here we go. Number nine. You ready? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His first three albums are all on, Rock and, on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. That's, that's Costello. Is it? It's not. It is. It, it is. is. I was like, I know that they are. I know yeah. that. I know those lists are shit now. But yes, <laughs> that was actually it's a it's a quote at the uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, from Mr. Costello, which, which I've been to. Yes. Yes. Mm. All right. Number 10. Frank, if you get this, I mean, 90 percent is still an A. Right. Uh, or at least based on when we went to school. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when I first heard Elvis's voice, I just knew that I wasn't going to, excuse me, that I wasn't going to work for anybody. It wasn't going to work for anybody. And nobody was going to be my boss. Hearing him for the first time was like busting out of jail. You want me to read that again? Because I kind of screwed it up. If you don't mind. When I first heard Elvis's voice, I just knew that I wasn't going to work for anybody. And nobody was going to be my boss. Hearing him for the first time was like busting out of jail. Mm, Presley. Yep. Who said it? Uh, who said that though? Um, Joe Piscopo. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it was Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. Damn Bob it. Dylan. Yeah, Bob Dylan. All right, I got ninety. Oh. Yeah, you got nine, nine out of ten, man. Pretty good. Hey, I should paid more attention with the uh, with the <laughs> keeping track of if you got all the who said it rights. But you did good. <laughs> Thank you, sir. That game was hard to play, man. That I mean, it was right. It took a yeah, while. yeah. Woo. Yeah. Nice. I love Thank it. You. I love it. Fun game, my friend. Thank you. You're up. I am. So you're ready for your options <laughs> for you're ready for your options for next week, my friend. I am. Do I need a piece of paper? I got a piece of paper. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. I have here uh, five choices, which I will mm-hmm. read to you. Uh, I mm-hmm. won't read the names. So just a little blurb about uh, the person or the band and the album. And okay. based on one of those, then uh, you select one, and that's the one you'll be getting, my friend. Not out of five? Uh, yeah, there's five of them, yeah. Oh my five five okay. choices. Okay. All right. So the first one, mm-hmm. 
is the fourth studio album by an English singer-songwriter, which was voted Album of the Year in 1979 by The Village Voice. Okay. Now, you don't have to tell me who they are. You could just, you mm-hmm. just, you just think of what I'm telling you and then pick the one that, that you want to review. Okay. Okay. The next is a lighthearted and upbeat, yet sometimes serious-natured debut by a band known more for a massive late 90s hit and a theme on a popular TV show. Mm. Mm. It's not the band from Pete and Pete. Okay, what else you got? <laughs> and then Spaghetti. Yeah! <laughs> All right. The next is a third studio album by what people call a national treasure. This country folk record spills blood and sheds lots of tears and exposes your soul. That's another choice for you. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Option four is this band's third album released in 1992 is often heralded as an overlooked classic of the 90s in the alternative rock world. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now last but not least, the fifth option is the Canadian, this Canadian noise rock hardcore band released their debut album in 2012 on Sub Pop Records. And it captures the band's ferociousness and ability uh, to put their influences together in a noise rock type of manner. Okay. So y- you got five choices here, pal. Which, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right. So I got... One was a fourth studio album from an English band, 1979, album of the year, according to the Village Voice. Yes, sir. Uh, two is a lighthearted debut album by a band that also had a song that was a theme song. Right. Uh, three is some crazy fucking country song album. Yeah, there you go. Four is third album, alt, 90s overlooked. Yeah. Oof. And five is Canadian noise. So five is bare naked ladies. <laughs> um, we've been doing a lot of English stuff lately, so I'm not going to go with one. Okay. Um, I think that number two probably isn't the violent femmes, but it might be that terrible band that did the friends song. And I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm kind of interested in three and four, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. three and four. I'm not seeing any. Well, I saw a little bit of a wince when I said four. I, I, <laughs> um, you know what, dude? Give me number three. Give me number oh, three. Oh, okay. We're going to get really serious on this next episode, my oh, friends. Fuck. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so the album you have chosen is the self-titled uh, it's a third album by Towns Van Zant. Oh, yes. Okay. Are you, are you familiar with the album? Uh, no, I, I'm familiar with the name and I'm yes. familiar. This has been one that like we've started doing this show and yeah. everyone's been like, this is going to come up and you're going to love it. And I'm yep. stoked. I'm yeah. so stoked. Yes. Yeah. So I, I own the vinyl uh, of, of this. Yeah. Of this record. It's it's 1969's uh, self-titled uh, Towns Van Zant. It is it's a it's a good one and and i'm really interested in you kind of hearing it a uh, lot listen to it in a couple different capacities yeah. uh the guy was a, a hurting soul and you could hear it bleed on this mm. album so i'm really stoked to oh cool to get your will you read the description for me again give me the 
Yeah. Yeah, tell okay. me to me. So I said this third studio album uh, uh-huh. by what people call a national treasure um, and by what people would call a national treasure and this country folk record spills blood and sheds lots of tears and exposes mm. your soul. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. This is going to ah, be cool. This is all right. Be cool. All right, yeah. cool. Now you don't know what the other four are because nope. I'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. I'm stoked. Yeah. I'm stoked. Yeah, I- so wheat. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, be safe out there. Thanks so much for making it to all the way to the end of the podcast. Oh friend. yeah. <laughs> Help us out and just smash that old like and subscribe button, wouldn't you? Now, won't you say it with me? Oh my my. Oh hell yes. Oh, bye-bye. Recording has ended. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>